Hey everyone, my name is Megan and welcome back to the What's Your Why podcast. I hope you've all had a gorgeous week. This week's episode, I'm joined with Debbie, who's someone I came across on Instagram. Debbie is a play therapist and she's currently training to be a psychotherapist. Recently, she reached out to the What's Your Why page to show some love to Susie's interview. And once I got talking to her, I knew that I wanted to get to know her a little bit more. So I am buzzing that she's joining us for this week's episode. During this episode, Debbie gives us an insight into motherhood, into what it's been like breaking some patterns that have come with being a people pleaser for a lot of her life. She talks about how important her family is to her and how she's navigated her way through eating disorders that she developed as a teenager. If you're impacted by anything that comes up in this week's episode, please do reach out to us on our Instagram page or you can email us at tellusbotsyourwhy at gmail.com. But thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I'm going to pass it over to Debbie who's going to introduce herself. My name is Debbie Cullinane and I am born and bred here in Morris County Mayo, um, a proud Mayo woman. And I am married and I have two children, uh, Elsie and Freddie. They are almost seven and almost six. I can't believe that. They're nearly Irish twins. So there was, there's a year and six days between them. So yeah, that time when they were babies was really, really tough. Um, and I am a teacher. My background is in teaching and primary school teacher. And for the last few years, I've been really concentrating on my career as a play therapist. And I'm just coming to the end of a four-year master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy, specializing in play. And that's with the Children's Therapy Centre. So I'm writing my dissertation at the moment. So that's taken up a lot of my time. And uh, I'm also play therapy partner with Smith's Toys and the Baby Room at Smith's. So I partnered with them last year to create and develop their sensory toy range on their website. So that was a really fun thing to do. Um, And I think that's me. I run webinars as well for education centres around the country around regulation and play and puppets and just trying to spread some awareness around what children need in the classroom um, and how it's so important for them to be settled and happy before we can try and get to that learning part that they need to get to. So I love sharing that information with teachers and SNAs. It's really empowering um, and it's really enjoyable. Why is that important to you? I suppose it's important for me because I really want to help children. I suppose that's been a big part of my life. I've always wanted to work with children to help children is really important to me. And I think now there's so much research done and we have science and we have neuroscience and we're able to back this stuff stuff up now by fact, you know, this is how little brains work. And this is how little bodies work. And when we can understand that a little bit better, we can help them a little bit better, you know? So I think, especially in the pandemic, you know, feelings are contagious and the world became very anxious. And I think as much as we wanted to not have affected children, it really did. So, you know, it's important that we do put their needs first as well. Um, And I'm loving spreading that awareness to teachers. And I, I really think, like the amount of people that show up to webinars, I'm just amazed that people, you know, are still learning and want to know this stuff. I just think people are incredible to be upskilling and finding out new information. You know, they're brilliant. Yeah. And where does that want to help children come from? I don't know. I suppose from my own childhood as well, I, I was probably, I was a very good girl. <laughs> growing up I was you know do what you're told sit yeah. down and you know very good always wanted to please um and then I ended up becoming a people pleaser 
and that's something I've worked on a lot over the last few years, especially um, through personal therapy and just finding out a little bit more about myself. And it's something that I work on all the time, trying not to be a people pleaser and putting myself first. Um, and that's definitely kind of, I think, where it comes from, that I really want to help children to be themselves and not think that they have to be something that everybody else wants them to be. What impact do you think it would have had on your life if you had learned that sooner? Oh, that's a hard one. I suppose I would have, yeah, my, my life path would have been a bit different, I suppose, um, because I did things in the past because I was expected to um, and went along with things that I probably shouldn't have, you know, in every sense of the word from when I was a teenager um, up until my late 20s, 30s, you know, until I really tried to start putting myself first and putting my needs before the needs of other people. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things would probably be different. <laughs> what's the benefit been since you've started to put yourself first a little bit or have you noticed any benefit in your life I suppose it's just that I I'm allowed to want things and need things for myself and I don't always have to go along with what somebody else wants to do you know I can put myself first I can say no I think saying no was a huge thing for me to learn um and I do wish I had learned that sooner um, in life but you know I, I used to look back at my 20s and be like oh do you know what were you at <laughs> who were you you know but now I'm able to look back and go you know you grew you learned you had some really good experiences as well and it really shaped who you are today so I've learned to be like no your 20s were for growth that's what it was for and not look back and go oh look at that ape <laughs> um so yeah I do think all your experiences shape you and I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had them I've definitely found myself in my 30s mm -hmm. um so I'll be 39 in June and uh there's been huge growth in my 30s I've really enjoyed them more so than my 20s and been able to grow and especially becoming a mother I think that was just transformative in so many ways um and it's just they bring such joy to my life you know every single day I just feel so blessed to have them it's just a love like I can't describe yeah. and it's yeah. so fulfilling it's absolutely fabulous um and it really touched me as well that you were doing this thinking of your mom and it's, it's about her and I think that's that's so lovely to be remembering her in such a fabulous way be inspiring Oh, thanks so much, Debbie. I always love talking to mothers because it makes me feel so connected to her. And like, especially when you're talking about the love you have for your kids, she would have talked about that all of the time. And I think there is nothing like a mother's love. How have you changed since you've become a mom? I suppose I just, how have I changed since I became a mother? I'm more stressed. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not stressful. It's a challenge every single day. And I suppose I would be a patient person anyway and all of that, but I've learned to sit with feelings. They've taught me about being like me, allowing them to cry and be angry and sad and mad and glad. Like, I love that. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, you know, 
we kind of weren't allowed to do a lot you know you'll be happy and you'll be good mm-hmm. and that would be that and I love to see them being able to bring the emotion that they bring to my life and I suppose they've made me realize you know the anger has a place in life you know and through the studying as well that's really taught me that all feelings are valid like it's okay if you're angry it's okay if you're jealous it's okay if you're sad it's okay if all these things and I love being able to sit with them in that and just let it be and be like yeah this is really hard this is really shit you know in doing that and in all I've learned over the last few years I allow myself the space mm-hmm. to feel angry and sad mad and glad and all those other things mm-hmm. and just acknowledge them and go yeah I'm really angry about something and that's fine I love them so much it's it's just so hard to describe um and like it does change your relationship then you know with your partner as well um because myself and my husband are married five years in June we had the babies first back to you know the early days when you hadn't a care in the world and it was all lovey-dovey and you know brilliant and it definitely does change your relationship but it's made us stronger in lots of ways because now we're working together as part of a team and like some days we don't agree with everything the other person does but you know it's so lovely to sit down and look at their photos and you know the two of us know exactly how the other one is feeling because you're just like this love is incredible that we have like every morning we we look at our snapchat memories and just go oh you know (laughs) we made these two amazing people you know and it's just incredible it's so fulfilling um and it really has been such a huge part of our lives does that relationship mean to you with your husband oh it's so important to me yeah and you know even lately we were talking about like we need to now start you know going on dates again um because you know it does take over you know when you don't have babysitters and all of that thing so we want to start you know going doing things together um that aren't drink involved either you know because sometimes you're just ending up you're going out and you're going drinking and you're you know going for dinner or whatever and then it ends up that everybody's out together but we want to start going you know going for a walk um going for lunch going for coffee just things that we haven't done in a long time and just I suppose building back our own relationship that was just about us as yeah. well and not about being mommy and daddy all the time um yeah it does family mean a lot to you yes I'm very close to my family um <laughs> my brother lives next door to me and uh, my parents, my parents live the next one up. We have holes like cut in the walls in between the houses, so we just walk through. Yeah. And my play therapy room is at the side of my mother's, so we're literally like this little loop of manions. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's great. It's so lovely um, to be able to just pop in and out. And my best friend is my brother's wife. <laughs> so she also lives next door you know what we actually don't see each other as much as people think we do really Uh, yeah I'm often saying like we see James's family um more sometimes than they live out the road um but it's lovely just to have the closeness um and to know they're there has there been any times in your life that you've had to be resilient yourself when have I had to be resilient lots of times <laughs> um just as lots of things popping into my head now um I suppose a lot of people don't know this about me but 
when I was 28, I actually um, got married um, to someone else and uh, it didn't work out. And uh, we were, it was less than a year we were together. And uh, I had to, um, you know, move out of that house. And I was still, I was living in Limerick at the time and I had to, you know, move out. And I still, I was trying to do my dip in, uh, in I was in a school in Clare. So to move to Killaloo on my own for the year. And I traveled up and down every Sunday, eve, every Monday morning, I traveled down to school and I'd live on my own for the week. And I travel up to Mayo again every Friday. And that was tough. That was definitely a really tough time. Um, so yeah, I needed a lot of resilience then to try and get through that because it was really hard. It was very lonely every week on my own. And I definitely liked, you know, I, had, I would end up on Monday, you know, coming home from school and just going to bed, getting up. And I had sandwiches for a year, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a really hard time. So I did have to be really resilient then. Yeah. Has that separation and being on your own for that period, like did that teach you anything about yourself? Do you know what it taught me, I think, on reflection now? To sit with myself, to be on my own you know because I'm I was never a person and I'm still not great at being on my own you know if I have a bit of time I'm like who can I hang around with who can I go to so I kind of got I had to be on my own because there was nobody around um and I was able to sit with that I lived in a beautiful place in Killaloo um I don't know if you've ever been there. It's absolutely fabulous. And no. I used to just go for a walk in the evening and just be by the water and be with my own thoughts. And it was definitely good for me and really helped me to be happy in my own company. That was something I definitely struggled with a lot growing up. I really felt I fed off other people's energy, you know. Um, Why do you think I really that I'm actually not sure why it was. I'm definitely better at that now that I'm thinking about it. I don't always need to be feeding off someone's energy. I can be okay with my own. And even if my energy isn't really happy, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be the happy person, I suppose, that was making people laugh, being a bit of a goose and a bit of an idiot, having the crack. I still love having the crack. The crack's really important to me. Um, But I don't always have to be the one making the crack, you know. I'm better able now, I think, to sit back and let other people take the floor. I was always a bit of an entertainer in my day. (laughs) If I wasn't singing, I'd be dancing or I'd be getting attention, you know, from from somewhere. I'm the baby in my house. Um, My brother and sister are five and six years older than me. and I was always made to feel like very special, very, very special. My my parents still introduce me to people as the baby. This is our baby. <laughs> I'm like, I'm nearly 40. Very. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. They love it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love being the baby still. Like, I love that warmth that comes from them. Do you know what I love about my parents? They love me for exactly who I am. They know exactly who I am. Yeah. and they love every part of me and I think that's so nice and it's the same with my husband or you know you have special people in your life that are just like I just love you for you you know good bad indifferent 
And what do you love most about yourself? What do I love the most about myself? Sometimes I struggle with self-love, actually. <laughs> What's hard about it, do you think? Oh, no. Oh, God, I'm lost for words. <laughs> no, Isn't it I, funny, like, that you can't say something nice about yourself? I'm saying that, I'd be the exact same as you right now. I'd be like, shit, I don't know. Like, it's, so <laughs> it's so easy to list off the things we love about other people, but it's so rare that we stop and be like, okay, well, what's great about me? Like, But that's probably the most important person to pay that attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And I'm just thinking in my head now, I'm like, I, I love how I am as a mommy. Yeah. Yeah. I And I, I'm definitely a good enough mommy, you know, and I... You know, that's what it's about. It's about being good enough, not about being perfect or anything like that. I'm, I know that I'm a good enough mom. Mm. I think probably my personality is the best thing about me. Yeah, and I know you probably found that question hard. Like I could see you kind of being like, ah, what do I say? But I kind of love that. Like I love when you talk about yourself, like even when you're talking about you when you were younger. And yeah, just anytime you kind of bring it in to talk about you, I love that. Like you kind of, you change how you talk. Like it's really nice just to kind of observe it. But has there been any other moments in life that you think has shaped the person you are today? I find my teenage years really hard. I think everybody does, do you know? I'm like, no, the dread of the adolescent years, you know? From 14 to 17, especially. Mm-hmm. You're just like, who am I? What am I? What is going on? You know, when you reflect on those years, it's really hard. Um, and in that time, I, de- I developed eating disorders. Um, when I was about 15, they traveled with me for many 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 years um up until i was in my probably early 30s yeah yeah and like it's still a recovery you know it's it's a recovery every day you can definitely feel yourself slip back into old habits if you don't really watch yourself you know um i'd have to be careful to to eat when i need to um because you know, it is a recovery. It's a process all of the time. It never really goes away. Um, so yeah, that that was a really hard part of my life that I didn't really admit to myself. What was that journey like? And what is it like? Because like you said, it's something that you'll always live with. Oh, it was hard. Jeepers, it was so hard. Um, you know, it started off bulimia and then spiraled into anorexia it was so hard and I would go into recovery and go in and out depending on what was going on in my life at the time so when you have an eating disorder you know it's all about control and I suppose when parts of my life felt out of control that's when I would go back into old habits and I felt a lot of shame around my eating disorder for a long time and I didn't really want to talk about it because I didn't want to embarrass my parents or, you know, bring it up for my sister or my brother because I knew they found that that's so hard and mm-hmm. uh, watching me going through that. So I kind of was like, again, minding everybody around it mm-hmm. and not minding myself in it. On that journey, what do you think you needed most? What did I need most? I don't really know. I think on looking back now, and this is just coming to me this second, I probably would have liked if people addressed it with me more if they actually asked me because I think people are afraid to ask are you okay are you eating are you all right you know a lot of people wanted to avoid the question um 
I think people are afraid to say anything to you because fear of hurting your feelings or fear that you're going to get mad or angry or sad. Like when I finally did admit to my disorder, I admitted it myself. I broke down to my mom and it was going on for a long time at that stage. But, you know, if someone had asked me, I think I would have been able to open up, but nobody really did. They talked to each other about it, <laughs> which I found out after, but didn't really want to say it to me for fear. I don't know what they were fearing, actually. I don't know. So I do think, you know, if it is something that you're worried about with somebody, you know, in any sense, a friend or anyone, don't be afraid to ask the question. Because I do think people are afraid to wonder yeah. about it. So I think that would be an important piece to just say, are you okay? Sometimes people mightn't be ready to open up, but sometimes they might be. And it shows that you care. Is there anything else that you'd say to someone supporting someone with an eating disorder? Try not to judge. Um, try to sit with it. Like when you have an eating disorder, it suffuses every single thought in your day. And it's really, really hard. And it's really, I found the deceit of it very hard because you're wondering how you're going to hide the next meal, how you're going to, you know, get to the bathroom, how you're, you know, all of these things are so, so hard. So just support, ask the question and sit with it and just be available if somebody wants to talk. Try not to comment on appearances as well, I think is a big one. And that's something that I try to be conscious of. You know, I think it's a societal thing as well. You know, everyone, you know, you look great. Have you lost weight? I think we need to be mindful of that because we don't, we don't know sometimes what people are struggling with. And eating disorders or disordered eating, whether it be under eating or overeating, are very common. Yeah. You know, um, more common than we think, I think, sometimes. Absolutely. Because I would have dealt with it similar when I was younger as a teenager. I think it's the language that we use around it as well. Like it can be so dismissive that people are probably afraid to come out about it sooner because of the judgment sometimes that can be attached to it. Um, Big time. I was so afraid to talk about it on my page. And on World Mental Health Day last year, I said to James, my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to say it on my page. Are you okay with that? Because I wanted to check in with him as well, you know, because it's personal. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Do you. You do what you need. And I was like, okay. And I was really nervous and my anxiety was through the roof. You know, especially after I posted it. Um, but I got, so, you know, such lovely messages and people that reached out to me in my DMs was just incredible going, thank you for saying that mm -hmm. because I am going through or I have gone through the exact same thing mm -hmm. and I felt the same shame um, about admitting it, you know. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not your fault. You know, it's like any of these things, you know, we have to talk about our mental health and normalize it so that people can say, look, I'm really struggling with this. And we can then, once we say it, we can take it out and we can look at it and see how we can help. Yeah. And do you have any idea like where you're stemmed from, which I know can be like such a big question? Not really. It is a control thing. So it starts because of control, but I, I was kind of a chubby child. Um, and that always stuck with me. Um, when I was about eight, I'd say I put on a good bit of weight and the comments will stick with me forever. 
um, from people, you know, oh, she's a fine child, um, you know, no fear of her, no fear she eats the dinner, mm. um, this kind of thing. And they really did stick with me. To an eight-year-old, like that's, I, my little sister's 10, I just can't imagine ever saying, so like, how do people not have the brain cells to say, don't say that kind of stuff in front of children, no, Anybody, you, but like, especially children, like. Yeah, and people still would. And you'd see how people would look at you and, oh, a fine child. That's what I got all the time. Mm. I used to just cringe and go, oh. And my mother was actually a Weight Watchers lecturer. <laughs> um, so, you know, my granny, like I said, she's 90. And like, she's been on a diet every day of her life since yeah. I know her, you know. Yeah. Uh, she still is, you know. And I'm like, you know, granny, will you come on now? You know, you don't need to be on a diet now. Come on, you're 90. Um, and she'd be like, no, no. I'm being good. I'm being good. This, you know, this being good thing. Everyone going around being good, but that is something that is not a thing in my house. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm never. I'm not being good. Um, we don't. I, I don't weigh myself. Um, we try to eat healthily and 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 go outside and get some air. But that's something that I definitely don't want. You know, for either of the children. Mm-hmm. And I think we always think about girls in this sense as well. And actually, you know it's very prevalent in boys to to be very body aware as well especially now you know with social media and footballers and six packs and the whole lot um so it's important about how we try and and mind that in our own homes you know to teach our children that it's about being healthy you know and it's about fueling your body i think this is the big thing that we need to think let's fuel our body with food mm-hmm. not restrict things so that we don't get fat you know what i mean um so yeah that's a bit that's a really important part of my journey as a mother as well mm-hmm. um like sitting down and having dinner together and sitting down and having breakfast together and we all have you know the same thing and you know mommy eats as much as everybody <laughs> um so yeah that's important to me as well and that's definitely obviously stemming from from my past I feel like the word that's coming to mind is proud. That might be weird because I know we don't know each other that well, but just hearing like how far you've come, I know it's a big deal getting to that place. Is there anything that you feel proud of yourself for? Oh yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I definitely do feel really proud of myself in so many ways and in so many aspects. Like I'm really proud of myself that I was able to overcome an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, and honestly, like I can honestly say for the last since the children were born, since Elsie was born, I, you know, it, I really feel like I have recovered, um, which is amazing. Um, because up to then, you know, I pretended myself I was recovered and I was not at all. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm really proud that I went back to do my master's. It has changed my life in so many ways. Um, just the self-awareness and learning about children and about neuroscience and about psychotherapy and all of those things it really has changed my life it's 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 a brilliant course and it's been such an inspiring journey um um yeah I'm really proud of myself and I'm proud of myself for taking the plunge into into self-employment as well it wasn't easy for me to decide to do it and I feel like I'm doing really well even though I'm making loads of mistakes along the way but sure if we don't make mistakes, we don't learn from them. So true. And you know what I've become better at? Not beating myself up over mistakes because that's toxic. <laughs> and I, I really was a person that could 
you know, beat myself up for a long time and becoming aware that we can control our thoughts that go into our head. That's been a big learning one for me, one that I really want to pass on to other people as well. You know, you can control the things that come into your head and you can tell them to piss off, you know, go away. (laughs) I don't want you in here, you know, Um, and it's a hard thing to do, but it's something that you can do with practice. Um, So, yeah, I am very proud of where I am right now. Try to be yourself and not to be what other people want you to be. That would be a huge thing for me. Yeah. You yeah. do you. It's okay. What do you think your why is? Do you know what? I've, this question has gone around and around and around <laughs> in my head. I was on the phone to my sister this morning. I was like, oh, I don't know what my why is. <laughs> she was laughing at me. Um, but you know what? And this keeps coming up for me. And this might sound selfisher. I don't know. My why is me, and that's what my why needs to be for right now. Because I thought about it and I was like, is my why the kids? Is my why, you know, spreading, you know, helping children? Is What is my why? And my why is me, and that's the way it needs to be. Because if I'm not okay, if I don't look after me, if I'm not my why, then nothing else can really carry on, you know? So yeah, my why is me for today oh thank you so much for everything that you've shared today Debbie I literally have goosebumps from head to toe and I just think your why is such an important one and I think you deserve to be your own why so thank you so much for giving us such an insight into your life and the life that you've lived and I'm so excited to follow along your journey and see where you end up Um, but thank you so much for sharing and to anybody who's listened to this week's episode thank you so much as well your support means so much and yeah we'll see you next week for some more what's your why conversations